listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Damian Parson and Blake Murphy. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. I'm your co-host, Blake Murphy, on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. We talk all about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, joined today with my co-host, uh, we got Damian Parson, and we're here, Damian, to talk about a unfortunate, not just Cardinals loss, I think you can say, but more like Cardinals embarrassment. It wasn't, I think, totally unprecedented, but the Cardinals do fall at least uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs and one very, very skilled quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and it did not look pretty. We'll get into the game today, but before we get started, how are you doing and uh, how are you feeling at least after week one of the NFL season? Oh, man, I feel I feel good. I'm, I'm feeling good personally. Um, of course, you know, coming off of not just week one of the NFL season, but also week two of uh, college football which was all of it was chaotic. It was an entire chaotic uh, weekend of football, upsets, ties, you know, unfortunate injuries, and just all type of, of just chaos at the on the NFL and uh, college level. But other than that, man, I mean, football's here. It's in full swing now, and I'm excited about it, and I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go and we can talk a little bit here about the game. And this is... Uh, just a couple of stats to be able to throw out at least with how brutal of a game it was. The Kansas City Chiefs on the game had 33 first downs out of 66 total plays that they ran, and they put up 44 points on the board. So not only did Patrick Mahomes throw for five touchdowns, but the Cardinals' defense essentially gave up a first down pretty much every other play like it really got to the point where after it started the Cardinals deferred to get the ball in the second half the Chiefs went down cut through that defense quite easily Arizona didn't do too bad at stopping the run at first but over time it became very clear that they did not have a good way of getting to Patrick Mahomes they came in with a game plan of blitzing him repeatedly um end up seeing at least that the Chiefs, at one point I believe it was, kicked a field goal, and that was the closest thing to a stop the Cardinals would have had. Uh, forced one turnover, but at the end of the day, it really seemed like that the Cardinals had no answers for the Chiefs. Damien, I felt like going into the game that this is a loss for the Cardinals. My feelings on that only intensified by the end of the week. Uh, I felt like I kept picking like more and more of the gap as the more injuries seemed to pile up. Do you think this was just the injuries, or is there something else going on here with Arizona for just a, pre, a performance that Cliff Kingsbury said was almost like it was a preseason game one for some reason, and a lot of people have found room to criticize since this isn't the preseason anymore? Well, I, I, to, to Cliff's point and in his favor, if you looked around the league, this did feel like preseason week four. Hmm. Um, you know, just to be completely honest, Joe Burrow had five turnovers yesterday. You know, the Steelers beat the Bengals. Like, you know, nobody besides no one outside of Steeler Nation felt like the Steelers had a chance to de- to defeat the the Bengals, especially with the you know new quarterback and everything like that. There were there was a lot like kickers were all over the place in the NFL yesterday. Um, you know, it, it felt like week 
four of the preseason. And considering the fact that Kyler Murray did not play with these cast of receivers the entire preseason, he didn't play. And, you know, and it even speaks to like some timing and rhythm issues, even though he led, um, like, even though he led the team in receiving Greg Dortch, it, there's still some timing things that they got to get down. Um, you know, think about that play where uh, I think it was like fourth down right before the half, uh, they, they motioned them into like the backfield, tried to slip them out in kind of a H back type of, uh, H back type of flat route, uh, to Greg Dortch and Greg Dortch, the timing was all Greg Dortch slipped or tripped over someone and he's stumbling halfway through the route. And it was just like, and Kyler wanted to get it to him, but he's like, I can't throw it. He's not even looking at me. So Kyler pumps it, brings it back down, scrambles, and then has to get rid of it and throw it, you know, and, and just throw it wherever. But I think that that's a big, that's, I, I'm going to give uh, Cliff that because again, like looking around the league, there was a lot of inconsistent play around the league where, it's like, man, like, you could tell guys are rusty. And, you know, guy, guys that didn't play in the preseason are just trying to knock that rust off, man. And it's like, I would assume that, you know, next week, you know, this coming week, which we'll talk about later, could be a, a, a better situation. But, all, again, it all also comes down to, hey, who's healthy? Right. And that's one thing with the Cardinals going into this week. Uh, we have recorded our shows on Monday normally. Uh, first injury report kind of came out on Monday the biggest thing, at least, that changed was we ended up... Oh, hold on. There we go. I had a recording, at least. I had forgotten I was on mute here. Uh, yeah, biggest thing for the Cardinals was we recorded our show on Monday. We talked at least about how we felt like the Cardinals at least could have a chance to perform against this Chiefs defense. One of the biggest changes, obviously, was J.J. Watt not playing. Um, we also saw a couple of injuries to one specific area, which would be left guard. Justin Pugh uh, was inactive for the game, which was a surprise to some fans since he had seemingly practiced throughout the week. And that meant that Sean Harlow, who's normally the backup center, had to move to the left guard position with Cody Ford on IR. But other than that, and I think you could say Byron Murphy was sick. And obviously we've talked about, you know, Antonio Hamilton's injury and, Trayvon Mullen, who they just traded for, um, he's also at least kind of coming over a foot or a toe injury. But outside of that, for the most part, when Rondale Moore had his injury and it went down, it didn't feel like that his inclusion would have had a huge impact on the game. Like we saw Greg Dorch filled that slot role admirably. We got to at least see some of that preseason practice and probably off-field work pay off. Uh, like you said, the Cardinals have just not been in a place where they've really worked on a lot of these things. Zach Ertz has been hurt. Kyler Murray had a wrist issue. Colt McCoy has been sent to IR. So you can say that the injury bug has bit the Cardinals. But at the end of the day, a lot of it ultimately comes down to still being able to game plan, be able to go out there and be able to perform. And what I think that we saw, Damien, in a lot of ways and people have commented is the Cardinals came into this with a game plan that probably needed to make some adjustments. And instead it looked a lot like the late 2021 Cardinals, as far as with being, you know, semi-productive, not necessarily bad on offense, but not great. And it looked very much like a defense that has almost been figured out by some NFL teams. And there's a lot of questions going on about if it, the lack of investments you know, letting guys like a Chandler Jones walk, not signing a veteran corner, or how much of this does Vance Joseph have to blame? And I think that you and I agree that there's definitely some 
Vance's approach that has been flawed. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. And I'll even go back to your point just to disagree a little bit. Like what Rondell Moore, even though Greg Dorch played, he filled it admirably. The difference in the athlete, I think would have made a big difference. Cause you saw a lot of blitzing also from Kansas city on Kyler. And you think about getting the ball out quick to a dynamic weapon. Hey, if you're going to send guys and leave somebody open by five or six yards, like a Rondell Moore, and I, and I complete this pass. Now you're tasked to cover, to tackling him one-on-one. And if you don't, he can take it 60. Right. So I think, I think it would have been good to have both of them. Like, you know what I mean? Play, have Rondell, and especially you go to some of the 11 personnel, 10 personnel rather. Um, and you have the four wideouts uh, on the field. It was, to me, there was just some some just different decisions that that I understand why fans are upset because we came into the week, Blake, and it was like, okay, is Zach Ertz gonna play? Or is is he? What's his injury like? And it's like, you know, he he, he got better throughout the week, but he he's not a hundred percent. And that the the help the one hundred percent tight end is your rookie, and he was a healthy scratch, mm-hmm. like. For one, he can help you in the run game as a run blocker. And again, he's the one who's 100% healthy. I'm not healthy scratching him. I'm playing him. But, um, but yeah, it's just when you get back to Vance, I mean, let's talk about it. 54% of, of Mahomes' dropbacks, you blitzed him. Mahomes is, is notorious for being one of the best quarterbacks in the league at picking apart the blitz. Where he struggles you go back to the games against the, the Cincinnati Bengals. They rush three and they play drop eight coverage. They only dress three three guys. They keep him in the pocket, play contained on the defensive line in the in the line of scrimmage, and they make him read through all the bodies that are in coverage. Right? They they make him play in the zone. Like okay, let's find where's the hole, where's the soft spot, things like that. They wouldn't give him just a the easy route, and if he got easy routes to to, to Kelsey, then you know they were tra- they were trying to squeeze and and, and rally to the football and tackle, and, and and just playing so much blitz, you know whether it was man blitz or zone blitz, it's just not the the option, you know you I know that you don't have a guy that you can truly trust to get the to the to the to the quarterback right now, but just rush forward, get your best four out there that you have at the moment. You know, right now with J.J. Watt hurt and, and Mark, I don't think Marcus Golden played. Uh, I can't remember at least uh, off the top of my head right now. I didn't pull up his. Uh, yeah, his Devon spot. Devon Kennard, their rookie, my J. Sanders was also a healthy scratch. So that leads you to, I think, at least the question, Damian, is: Did this Cardinals team have the capacity to be able to still get pressure on the quarterback, even if they just rushed four and dropped seven? Because what I saw at least up front was I think you look at the stat sheet of how most of the Cardinals tackles that were being made were from the safety position, which usually tells you you've got a weak front seven, that guys are getting blown off the ball, they're being pushed back. I think at least ultimately at some point you have to be able to wonder, would it have mattered if the Cardinals had, you know, just decided to adopt that same type of, you know, drop back and play zone? Because like, 
I know, remember, we talked about this last week. He said the Cardinals cornerbacks are at their best when they're playing man. And when they've played zone coverage, they've just looked lost out there. Like they've given up plays, they've been trailing. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like that in a lot of ways, this Cardinals man coverage was just decimated by you saw not just a lot of slant routes that were there where you had to have decisions made by Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, but you also saw a lot of rub and mesh routes, which as people know, when you have a mesh route in the air raid, if you got someone trailing, guys run in past each other, it just destroys man coverage. There was one play in particular on fourth down, I believe it was in two from the goal line. They ran a kind of a rub route slash mesh play. Uh, I guess you could say it's a pick play is the easy way to think yeah. of it. And to Clyde Edwards Alaire, he's on the outside. They got Ezekiel Turner's in coverage on, I believe it was uh, a tight end. Either way, the receiver's coming back inside. They ran that route so well to perfection against man coverage. Ezekiel Turner ran headfirst right into Byron Murphy. And it looked like Murphy like was stunned, like he was not knocked out, but just on the ground for a little bit because he got blindsided. And the other guy walks right in for wide open touchdown. So what's difficult, I think, is that you're looking at the Cardinals and saying they may be a man coverage type of team, and maybe that's their strength. But it seems a lot like these are guys who probably need to be able to be more diverse. And if you're going to run zone coverages and they can't do that, so you have to do man, then you're kind of in a spot wondering, are they able to play? Like, can this cornerback group function? And I think that a lot of what we're learning for this year, for the most part, is that the Cardinals need an infusion of talent at corner that may not be out there. And I think a lot of fans right now are ultimately terrified because Trayvon Mullen, I don't think, is going to be a franchise savior walking through that door, uh, at least the way that their defense has been designed. No, I, I think, you know, he'll help. A lot, you know. One, I think when when you, when you get him and Antonio Hamilton back, I think that'll be big. You know what I mean? Because you you'll have your capable starters back on the field, and Byron, your your top three corners will will be. It, it to me, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of okay, Hamilton over Marco Wilson. Um, I think Ham, I think Marco Wilson has the higher ceiling of the two, the better athlete. Um, and he's also someone that is that really feels more comfortable in man coverage, in press man. Like you talked about, the mesh concepts, the rubs, things of that nature. The biggest thing is under, is, is is getting back into the to the film room and the communicating, right? Like understanding, like yeah, you're chasing the guy, but keep it. Listen, this is this goes all the way back to Pop Warner, guys. Keep your head on a swivel. Under, look through the receiver that you're chasing on that on that drag on that shallow drag. See what is coming so that you can avoid those head-to-head collisions with your teammates. And now you got two drag routes or two crossers coming open because you two just had a head-on car collision in the middle of the field. And it just it, – for one, whenever that happens, it, you look incompetent as a yeah. defense. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you running into each other? But that you know, for, for the casual fans that don't know, that's what Miss Concert supposed to do. It's a man beat, and that's one thing that, that Kansas City did. Blake is when, when Vance did go to man coverage, they went mesh. Like they went crossers and, and, and rub routes and stuff. And it's like, just from a standpoint of, hey, that's when you got to, like, as a corner, again, confidence is everything for all players. But cornerbacks, when you, when you feel comfortable, like, okay, I know I got help over the top. Let me shade inside. 
The reason why I say shade inside, you don't give up the drag. You don't, you do not, you don't even give them access to run the shallow cross. You're inside, you're inside shade, you press jam and force into the sideline. Now you you completely cap that route. So now that's a, that's a read that's not in the progression. If you do that on both sides, you take that away. Then what they have to do is more so at you know pre-snap is if you know I don't I would say don't show it too early because then they could possibly if you have a receiver that can run by you they'll kind of make a hand signal and try to go vertical on you. But it just depends on if you got safety over the top and things of that nature. But yeah, like don't allow you know the main thing is you don't want to allow them free access to anything, right? And one thing that you know, shout out to my guy Eric Crocker, um, you know, former NFL, AFL DB. You know, and we talk, we you know, spend time with him over the past couple of years. One thing that he's taught me is like the term "take away something to chase something." You know, and, and it's and that's very, especially in the red zone, that's incredibly key. You know, on, based on your alignment. Okay, if I'm a take away the outside vertical, I'm a chase the slant because I know that's the only thing you can run, a slant or inbreaker. So I'm gonna stay in your hip pocket. I'm not going to overexert myself until I see, okay, that ball's getting ready to come out. Now I, I burst into it and I either intercept it, undercut it, or just break it up. But take away something to chase something. And, I, and for me, every time I'm seeing these DBs, they're not taking away anything, Blake. Like they're yep. legitimately, they're not taking away anything and they're chasing everything. Yep. And that's just not a good way to, to have your DB. So for Vance, he's going to have, like, I think once you, once you get the, the you know, Hamilton healthy and, and when Trayvon Mullen comes back, that'll be helpful on the on the uh, on the outside. Um, of course, you know, getting uh, Byron Murphy back up to, to full health because he's been dealing with like I think a, a bug, he was he was, uh, like a, a sickness or illness or whatnot. I think they said on the broadcast, and then they had worries about his hamstring yesterday at one point. Um, so you know, I think when you get everybody back in the sec in the secondary ill ill help, and of course getting JJ and uh, the rest of that and. Not, there's no there's no excuse for having Maje Sanders um, be a healthy scratch. And I think we talked about it last week about the running backs keeping five. If you're not going to be a run-heavy team, there's absolutely no reason to keep five running backs. Like, if you're not going to pound the rock, and, and you know what I mean? Like, I expect Baltimore or San Fran, you know, teams that want to run the ball 20 to 30 times a game and work the play action off of that, Blake, that's when you keep five. Mm-hmm. But if you're still going to run your normal air raid, there's absolutely no reason to keep five. You deactivate someone and you bring make someone else a healthy scratch, and then you bring in Amaje Sanders. Let's get he's going to need these reps early in the season, especially if you do catch fire and make it to the um, make it to the playoffs. You need this young man to be seasoned. You, so he needs these reps, even in a blowout win. I don't care. He's healthy. He, he's ready to go. Him and Cam Thomas go get the quarterback. Just work on your pass rush routine as this blowout is in in full force. Yeah, and like you said, I think it was uh, essentially it was an all James Conner type of a showing, so that made the running mm-hmm. back decision make maybe even a little bit less sense, unfortunately. Um, also, I think the biggest standout that I feel like with those running backs was we got to see, uh, you know, Benjamin, we'll talk about him as like a bright spot, was there. We got zero running back snaps for Jonathan Ward. Obviously, he's going to be playing some on special teams. And then with uh, Daryl Daniels, we got to have, or sorry, say Daryl Williams, excuse me. He did play also on special teams. So at least you could see kind of a special teams type of a role. But like you said, 
couldn't you potentially just let my J Sanders be on that special teams role, keep Daryl Williams mm-hmm. for the most part inactive and be able to then maybe rotate him in and out. Uh, the interesting one, of course, also with, I believe it was tight end Steven Anderson being in, I wonder how much of the Zach Ertz area really affected the Cardinals and their ability to kind of run this 12 man, uh, 12 personnel type of running game, being able to run more guys if they were stretched out a bit. It doesn't feel like it, though, because we, I think, would have then needed to see a lot more of these play action under center. It seems very clear, at least coming up from this offseason, that unless the Cardinals have something up their sleeve that they're going to, like, drop on people halfway through the season, <laughs> that's going to be, like, the way to overcome stuff is to evolve it. It felt very similar to last year's offense. Um, before we get to that, I did want to at least bring up the biggest area is we know that they're going to get J.J. Watt back at some point. It's been difficult, I think, as far as the production thus far has not been what I think Cardinals fans were hoping for. We know that there's going to be at least some additions in the secondary, but the linebacker spot for Arizona, that's one that's been very difficult. And a lot of it, I think, has functioned around with having young guys such as Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, who both are not rookies. This is Isaiah Simmons' third year. He is wearing that green dot, as I said, of calling the defense. He was essentially roasted multiple times by both receivers and by Travis Kelsey. And I know that he's one of those players that you draft to be able to stop a guy like a Travis Kelsey. You know, he's supposed to be the ultimate kind of Swiss Army knife and be a mismatch. But he looked like he was lost out there, was chasing guys. It did not seem like slot corner, which is why I think he had the majority of the snaps was a great fit for him. And Zayvon Collins, while there was some plays, it seemed like it was nice. There was also times where it looked like he either misread or was going the other way from when it was his responsibility either to cover a running back out of the backfield or, you know, keeping your nose in the back where you're the guy who has to lay that hit over the middle, at least for the most part, to make sure that those crossing routes don't just completely eat you alive. The fact that the Cardinals linebacker situation went so poorly, it doesn't seem to bode well for their season because these are two top 15 picks and you wanted to see at least more production than just being on the field for week one. No, hundred percent. It's it, nothing seemed just to work. It was Simmons, you know, as I've, I've had a discussion on Twitter with someone about him, you know, you have a young man that is, it came into the to, like I said, came into the, into the league as a Swiss Army knife. He didn't have a designated position, and I'm gonna be honest with you. This truthfully, this feels a lot like Hassan Reddick all over again, mm-hmm. where you have this really talented, physically talented player that you've put in the wrong spot multiple times, and now you don't know what to do with him, and you're grasping for straws, and the fan base is gonna hate him. And then when you let him go after his contract, he goes somewhere else. They use him correctly. He looks good. And then he gets paid to go somewhere else. Then before, but before he gets paid, you're going to come back calling like, hey, we, we see the we see the vision now. We know what to do now. Right. Then you come back to Arizona and it's like, absolutely not. You know, and it's just, and it's just that type of situation I, I fear to, to be the case because, I you know, just watching like – People wonder like, okay, so what do you what do you do? So I saw some having a discussion with somebody on the timeline like, oh, put him at deep at outside linebacker, let him rush. I'm like, that's not his game. Never has been, never was. No. He's never been someone to read. Like fans don't understand the difference of reading, especially run, 
from right up on the line of scrimmage compared to being seven yards off. That's where he's used to reading run from when he was at Clemson. Playing that that overhang, that 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 star backer, money backer. And what's so funny is Arizona tried the money backer thing with Deion Buchanan years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and that field. He was drafted as a safety. They moved him to yeah. money backer. And it is very interesting, at least, to see how at least the defense, when you did use him, you were able to see some of the production. But ultimately, he never got a second deal. And there was times where you looked at and saw all that teams would do was say, hey, this is a you know, 215-pound inside linebacker. We're going to make sure that we match up 300-pound center on him, and teams would just run up the gut. And that's something just at least – And that's something at least with Simmons that it doesn't seem like that he's been able to shed guys and make tackles the same way, and it doesn't seem like he's been able to necessarily cover the same way from the slot. So then are you looking at three types of safeties? Because you just extended to Jalen Thompson, and – if that seems to kind of be the one place where he's going to have to be like a, you know, an overhang linebacker who can kind of play back in that safe, strong safety box role, there's just an area at least of at some point you have to be able to look at either the coaching of you have to find ways to adapt to build your defense around, you know, maybe optimistically we'll see some of that change a bit. And this week was a spot where they're saying, hey, we got to give you the nickel corner role because we're playing the Chiefs and we know that we're going to be getting Juju and Travis out of the slot like we don't have another choice. Maybe they'll end up seeing a little bit of that change once you can get a Trayvon Mullen in, move Byron Murphy back inside. But it does really feel like you said that this is an area where the front office of the Cardinals has a vision for an Isaiah Simmons and like the idea that he can play multiple spots and positions. And he comes in and either they completely misread it from where the coaching staff is last year. I think of two years ago, Hassan Reddick, who was a tackle for losses, a defensive end goes and is trying to learn from Carlos Dansby. They kind of force you to play him at inside linebacker to work it out. He moves to that edge rusher role after Chandler Jones goes down and suddenly he ends up being one of the premier pass rushers that gets paid in free agency this off season the diagnosis of the Cardinals and the coaching, it it seems like it's all screwed up and that's got to be really disheartening for fans because I feel like I would have loved to have seen the Cardinals look at Billy Davis guy who's at least a long tenured respected linebackers coach and either been able to add other players of the caliber that would be able to man the position who are veterans. Um, They did with Nick Vigil this past year and he did, he did not look as good as Jordan Hicks has been out there. You maybe could have just kept someone like Hicks for the most part if you were going to be needing a veteran. And then try to be able to have those guys compete for a job. See if you can beat out a more talented guy because ultimately the NFL is about not necessarily um, you know, having the greatest day, but sometimes it's about being better than that guy who's behind you because that's what gets you your paycheck. And the fact that the Cardinals have now gone, this is entering, I believe, year four with the same linebacker coach, same defensive coordinator. At some point, you either have to assume that the player and the pick were just completely wrong, and that's going to reflect on the general manager who just got his extension, or it's going to reflect on the fact that you've kept these coaches around for this long and may have to completely reshape your defense despite, you know, building it around these linebackers. It's... It is mind-boggling, I think, to Cardinals fans to be in this situation this far into what should be, hopefully, at least a 
resurgent era for the Cardinals and instead feels like there's just confusion. Yeah, it, it is. And it's just a lot of not knowing where to go with everything. And I, I want to, you know, just see how, how everything shapes up as, as it goes on. But to me, and I'm going to probably say it all year, you know, if they don't write the ship, Michael Bidwell has a decision to make. Like, I know you just gave them an extension, but you may need to look at new everything, you know I mean, from a front office standpoint. But hopefully they can get it together and figure it out. But it's just been a lot of, you know, Vance Joseph's take, taking flack for a lot of things, for not using Simmons properly, for not, you know, it's, it's just a lot, right? And it's just, at the same time, Kime didn't set him up properly with, you know, talent. So it's just a lot that, that has gone into everything. And it's like, okay, what is the, what's the plan? What's the idea? And, and I mean, I think that goes into, to, you know, to me, to the next topic. When we talk about Kyler Murray, I don't know how you feel. I mean, you were in the game, you saw it live. Like, I haven't watched the All 22 yet. I have, like, it, it just popped up when I logged into the, um, my laptop. So I'm, I'm going to look at it later on um, tonight and first thing in the morning. But um, watching the game, I felt like he did the best he could do with what was going on. Like, yeah. you know, there was one, like, the nothing on the first drive when he took that sack on, like, third down. It was a free runner. Like, nobody blocked him. Nobody chipped him. No one touched him. Kyler takes a snap, looks left, and there's a, there's a DB bearing down. I think it was a Jerry Sneed, just a free runner. And it's like. Guys, where's the pre-snap communication on the, on the offensive line? You got to tight end in a tight spot, you know, lined up. Like, you see that guy. Chip him. Push him. Throw that timing off so that your, your quarterback can have time, at least enough time to where when he turns his head and comes back cross field, he spots him, and you have one of the most elusive running quarterbacks in the NFL. He could have made the guy miss, but he didn't see him. So uh, I think kind of – played okay. He made some good throws. Um, we, we, so we talked about it, you know, on Monday, did he not run the ball much last year because of the money? Well, they ran, he ran a good, uh, he ran a couple times, even a QB designer, a QB draw right at the middle and got a good, got them in, in, in position um, to score in everything. So it's, it's, I think he did okay. Uh, of course, you know, like I said, having Ronda more would have helped. Um, having two tight ends and, and, you know, getting the run game going early, some play action, some zone read. Again, a lot of this is going to continue to follow on Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Kyler just didn't have much – he didn't have much opportunities. Yep, no, and I think that's something with not just the opportunities. I know there was actually a former coach. I think it was a virus duel, had a viral clip at least of a former coach from Last Chance U who talked about that same play with Ertz and the free rusher. I think that was a part of film study at least where the Chiefs were able to notice that, hey, we can send a blitzing corner for the most part at Kyler Murray. He's not going to necessarily pick all of that up for the most part. We saw previously with Rodney Hudson when the uh, I believe it was the Titans in – the week one of 2021, we're sending an all-out blitz. Hudson passed it along. They adjusted, and they got the hot read. This year, it seems like he was saying, hey, that's on the quarterback. You have to point it out. But it's like, I think you're right if he didn't see it. So then you say, all right, is that the offensive line? Is that the tight end? Whose job is it with that communication? Is that on the quarterback to go and check his protections? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's all of the above. <laughs> right. And that's one of the spots, at least, because, you know, like you said, 
there's multiple places at least to be able to know. And I think teams are now going to start to dissect more and more of Arizona's offense like they did last year. And I didn't see enough adjustment, I feel like, from the Cardinals or from Cliff. There was a couple of things that they had. Like, they had a great second drive that was kind of the spot that kept the game from feeling like it was over before it began. They had James Conner, at least for the most part, was able to get 11 yards in second and eight. They had a nice little short screen that he took down. Um, They were able, at least for the most part, to have Marquise Brown kind of hit on a a quick out route, I believe. Um, The Cardinals even had a snap that was over his head that they recovered they've still been having shotgun snap issues for the most part and then second and 18 you're talking about the first quarter expires it's been essentially all kansas city thus far uh, with two touchdowns they complete a nice long pass to greg dorch who gets some great separation finds the soft spot in the zone murray's able to hit him he struggled with zone coverages in the past so being able to have you know a guy like that because i don't believe that zach Ertz was out there at the time they end up driving down, and they run the ball in, at least for the most part, with a James Conner uh, touchdown. And the very next drive, you have Kansas City goes up, gets another 11-play drive. Cardinals defense can't hold. A couple of punts back and forth. The biggest play to me, though, I think, was going back to, like you said, that Greg Dortch um, pass that they had for the most part. There was a deep right pass that he had to get rid of for the most part, and it just felt like Kansas City at that point was – coming after Kyler with five guys. And it seemed like that what we wanted to see from Arizona is go and have those multiple tight ends, pull in areas where that way you can get guys off the line, either chipping, being able to have protection and have a plan. And it didn't seem like Arizona had a plan. There was a play late in the fourth quarter. Buda Baker at least was showing blitz. Patrick Mahomes makes a quick check at the line. Buda blitzes. He just ends up kind of moving to the away from the blitz and tosses a quick screen pass to his running back. And there's no one there on that side. You know, they ended up essentially vacating that area. So there's not anyone that's over there on that side. That adjustment at least was made. They're able to get a nice big gain. And it just felt like that, that I think just comes down to a combination of preparation. You know, it's not just, I think all about film study. A lot of it, I think, is kind of the way that the offense is structured. And right now, Damien, it feels like that the Cardinals are leaving it up to Kyler Murray to make plays with his legs. You mentioned the Dorch play where they designed it up. It's gone perfectly. Player trips. Kyler has to try to make something of it. There's another play earlier where he almost converts, I believe, on that third and two play. Uh, I should say at least that the it was a third down play throws the ball, and he throws it kind of backwards across his body. It's about to head right to a player. Dorch had turned the wrong way around, wasn't sure where Murray was. He kind of turns back the other way, sees the ball's about to get intercepted, and then kind of plays the DB role. If he's turning the other way around, then that may be a first down, and we have a totally different look at the Cardinals because they're able to maybe make it a 10-point game, maybe only two score. Maybe you can get some momentum at least for the most part. Either in the half or coming out. Instead, it feels ultimately like this is kind of it was an average offensive performance and Kyler Murray was not able to really elevate. We didn't see Marquise Brown elevate the offense. And I think the question for the most part is, can this offense be able to be elevated or are we kind of waiting to see what it looks like when DeAndre Hopkins comes back before we can make a judgment on the 2022 cards? Yeah, I mean, this offense... I think if this was an offense that was fully healthy, like, and not just fully healthy, but had everyone, like, D-Hop wasn't suspended, but you still got Hollywood, Rondale's healthy, AJ Green is there, and stuff like that. I think 
It could. I think this is. I think this offense has so much potential. Like I think this is an offense that can score thirty points a game. Like I, I think they have that type of firepower, especially with the weapons outside. But the main issue for me is Cliff and the play call. Like you have to make sure you are taking advantage of every space and opportunity. Like you know what I mean, and and, and let like Kyler. Being able to check plays, and I always talk about this, no matter how talented you are, talking with the Drew Brees, talking with the Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's and those those type of quarterbacks, and you would see them come to the line. It looks like cover one, safety's down in the box. Then into the cadence, the safety's rolling back because they're about to play a two-high shell. Okay, kill, kill. Like, we're going to go to a run. You want to drop back and give me seven in the box? Cool. Offensive line, be physical, get nasty, get vertical in, in your push, right? And, and things like so. But again, not having Justin Pugh, Cody Ford, just trading for him. Now he's on IR. And it's just like, this has probably been one of the unluckiest offseasons I think a franchise has had. <laughs> um, just overall, yep. like, since, since, since the end of the season, like, everything has just gone wrong. So um, I think this is an offense that could carry this team um, and, and keep them in games. And, and, and things of that nature, but at the same time, like a lot of things have to go right. Like they got what another five weeks, five six weeks, you know, of no D hop. No one knows what you know. We'll find out later on this week what's going to happen with Rondell Moore. They got to get healthy on the offensive line um, and at the receiver position. And then again, Cliff call call a, call the right game. You know, call if you're dealing with a defensive line that can't stop the run. I know that you love your scheme, run the ball. Like, it, it, if this is a light defensive front that struggle to handle physicality, run the football. Bear on them, lean on them, move them, be physical. This is a man's game. Play like it. Yep. Like, this is not Texas Tech anymore. You're not in the Big 12. Like, this is essentially Cliff Kingsbury. You, you are essentially moved to the SEC where they play big boy football, and these are grown men. And if you want to just play the air raid, not run the ball, you can't stop the run, you can't do that, like, it's not going to work. So I think if, if Cliff can get into a rhythm of being more balanced, I think we could see a offense hold on. Yeah, and I, I think that we may be missed out on some of that because the game got away from Arizona pretty quickly. But like you said, the, there's been issues that I've had at least with feeling like his protections have not been – always on point and the bigger thing potentially being that when you look at this Cardinals offense as a whole Cliff's best innovation seemed to come in the run game and when you shift that to now saying hey we're gonna go from being a run heavy offense to being able to be a team that has to catch up versus the pass being able to protect our quarterback is at a premium um and I think that at least to his credit, we can talk about this. Some of the line did not play very well, at least. I think we'll see some changes made potentially there. I think that they do need to at least be able to find a way to embrace. But I, there was a Cardinals postgame analyst who said, right now we saw the Cardinals go under center during the preseason with Trace McSorley. But through the game, it looks like that Kyler has had no interest in going under center. And Cliff doesn't seem to be interested in putting him there. And so you wonder if this is going to be a marriage where, it, not that it needs to be under center all the time, but being able to have at least the ability to threaten defenses and have, like you said, more of a mature passing attack. We saw the Chiefs last year when 
team said, we're going to play kind of lovey Tampa 2, keep two high safeties, and we're going to double Travis Kelsey at the line because we know those are the two guys you're going toward. We're taking away your deep shot. You're going to have to be patient. And Pat just was not patient. He would try to run, try to make a play, go after the jugular. They had to change, and we see that it had an impact by him being content to sit back in the pocket. When Arizona would bring five, he was more than content to take those small nine-yard crossing routes, if need be, that Isaiah Simmons or Zayvon Collins was trailing on. I think at least that a lot of fans are going to look at it. We'll see what happens because, like you said, this is going to be a place where we've seen the Cardinals adjust before. Uh, We'll have to see if they can in the future because there is a lot, I think, riding on this season, especially given the fact that we're going to be talking about national performances by the Cardinals on Hard Knocks. Uh, before we talk about and preview our next game, what were some highlights to you? Because for me, it wasn't like there was a lot to talk about, but I did see quite a few positive. What's a player or two that you thought stood out yesterday? Mm. Um, just that's kind of tough because it's just like it's not a lot to be happy about. But Greg Dortch, Greg Dortch, and I don't, well, no, Greg Dortch. And um, Marquise Brown, you know, being able to, we didn't, we couldn't see a lot of it mainly because the offensive line and, and the blitzing that Kansas City did to really like derail the passing game and the timing. And and I, I shout out to them because they know, they knew that hey, Kyler didn't play in the preseason, like the timing isn't going to be on point for this offense just yet. And so let's speed them up. Let's let's blitz them. Let's get in this grill. Let's Let's force them to play at a quicker tempo post-snap than they want to and, um, and, and stuff like that. So, um, so I think that's, I think that is, is big because we could have possibly seen more of Hollywood down the field, especially, you know, in those cover two holes and different things like that. And then of course you think about what Greg Dortch was able to do. So those are the two guys that stood out to me. I think both of them showed well and played well. Um, and I think there's just so much more, possibilities um if the offensive line could have um and again i mean the injuries these guys not having time to gel and mesh things of that nature if they could have given them the offense more time to throw the football for sure i liked dennis gardeck forced the fumble played well Mm -hmm. he didn't necessarily you know show like an elite pass rusher but the effort was there and that showed in a spot where you're down 20 to 7 chiefs have the ball that was a game-making type of play to be able to not just try to get him to the ground, but to punch him, punch that ball out. Uh, Eno Benjamin also ran hard, was able, to, for a smaller yes. running back, he broke tackles. He also seemed to show up in the pass game. It makes me hope that they can give him a few more carries because it felt like it was the James Conner show, and then they put Eno in at the end, and he had a whole lot as far as I think to be able to bring. Uh, otherwise, I echo your thoughts on Dorch. Uh, those are some of the few positives that are there for the Cardinals. Coming up, let's talk about this Raiders game. We're going to be finishing up the show, taking a look ahead at a, another AFC West opponent, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Cardinals' first road game. We'll be back here to close up the podcast after this. And welcome back to the last part of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Oakland Raiders did not win their week one game later. You know that stat that says 0-2 teams rarely make the playoffs. It's just such a competitive team. They did, however, play one of the most retooled defenses and maybe even teams in the league in the Los Angeles Chargers. 
The biggest story of the day for the Raiders was Derek Carr, I believe, had three interceptions in the game. It seemed very much like the Chargers were not able to necessarily run away with it, but the Raiders never seemed to take advantage of it, despite the fact that Devontae Adams just went off against what people thought was a retool Chargers secondary, albeit without their big free agent acquisition in J.C. Jackson. Damian, this is a very important game for the Cardinals. Is this going to be the same type of opponent that they're playing in the Chiefs, where this is a feared AFC West opponent, or will the Cardinals have some opportunity? I think the Cardinals have some opportunity, and the big thing is, is the defensive line, you know, will be ready to go and healthy because the offensive line for the Raiders has taken, uh, there's been some issues there. Um, you know, I think they've had some guy, had a guy or two retire. This is not a, this is not an offensive line that everybody's, even Raider fans and, and, and analysts that I've talked to aren't really excited about, right? So um, I, I think that there are opportunities there for um, the, for the team itself to really attack uh, attack this um, this offensive line, throw off the passing game. But as we just saw, the biggest thing is like, hey, man, Devontae Adams, you, like, I, they, I know, they, you got you got Dan Waller, you have Hunter Renfro. Guess what? Those two will have to beat us this week. It's not going – because one thing I saw watching that Raiders game, Derek Carr looked his way a lot, and Derek Carr made sure to feed him. But guess what? Bracket him. Take him away. Make Derek Carr say, tell Derek Carr, like, listen, this is going to be a LeBron James situation where, you know what, LeBron, you're not going to have, uh, you know, there there's certain moments, right? Like, LeBron has 20 assists. That could be either good or bad. But a lot of times it's, hey, LeBron has 30 points and 15 assists. And it's like, well, that doesn't help. You know what I mean? Like, this is a bad situation. There's other times where it's like, all right, LeBron, we're going to let you get your 40 but your shooters have no space to shoot. So you're going to have to get 70, actually, because we're not giving, we're not going to crash on you on the paint. Yep. We're going to continue to play defense, things like that. So for me, it's like, all right, what's the approach? The approach is, LeBron, we're not letting you beat us. Like, so, you know, in this case, the point guard is going to have to find somewhere, someone else. He's going to, and that's what Derek Carson has to do. Throw the ball to everyone else but Devonta Adams. Take it away. I know it's easier said than done. This, is, this man is, is is incredible. He's the best receiver in football. You know, some people would like to say Cooper Cup. I don't think it's – I don't even think it's close between him and Cooper Cup, to be completely honest with you. Devonta Adams is, is – what he's able to do without the magic of Sean McVay moving him around and keeping yeah. him – or linebackers, like, he torches corners. Uh, no disrespect to Cooper Cup. He's a, he's a beast too. But I just think Devonta Adams is just such a, a task. So it's difficult, but I think you gotta you got to bracket him somehow and force Derek Carr – off of that and see if you can force some some mistakes right like he looks because one thing about with quarterbacks with elite receivers they will look that way a little too long a lot of times and then when they come back to it hey dbs on the backside reads be on your a's your p's and q's be alert because if he comes back too late that's an opportunity for you to make a play yeah and that's where i got is like the biggest point i think at least i'll add to your suggestion of doubling Devonte adams with look for the ball like what we saw yes. with last week was that the cardinals only one player really had a chance to make a play because guys were just being beat and were trailing this is not going to be the same as going against patrick mahomes at least i think there is going to be opportunities for takeaways and we saw that the chargers were essentially able to win that game one that i think at least that 
their offense essentially let them down. They couldn't run the ball as well. They were struggling to be able to kind of get points for the most part to put away the Raiders, but look for the ball. Like you're not just doubling Devante, making sure that you're there. And then that's, I think the key to the game. Number one, number two is pressure up the middle on car. We saw how the Cardinals, when they were able to pressure up the middle on Patrick Mahomes, he's got the ability to kind of bail out the back door, be able to scramble a bit. When Derek Carr gets pressure in his face, we saw at least three times he kind of just threw the ball up into double coverage. Chargers are able to come away with it. I think that J.J. Watt, if he's able to play, will be a huge part of that. But if he's not, that's going to be on Vance Joseph to be able to say, hey, take those two tall trees in the middle of your defense and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, line them up in the A-gap. Make sure that Derek Carr is going to feel that pressure. And I think that's one of the biggest keys to the game. Now, I think... The last key of the game, I think you and I can probably echo this with, it's going to probably be on Kyler Murray is going to be the last key of the game. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. Kyler Murray, he he is the guy, right? Like, you know, he, he's got to be able to, again, you know, to protect him, get, get him involved in every aspect. Like I said, the zone reads, the QB draws, get some QB counters going, right? Get get two, get two guards and a, and a tight end pulling in front of him. Allow him to patiently read it and then get into open field because you know he has that type of four-four type of speed in in space. And then of course maybe you some you know get some 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 easy throws, get some bubble screens. If Rondell's back, get some bubble screens. You know, do different things. Put Trey McBride on the active roster for the game so that you can then get some extra run blocking as well. And you think his ability to sell the run or run block well enough to sell it, get out on some of these delayed routes, some of these alerts, and his strong hands to make contested catches in the middle of the field uh, will be big. Yep. I, I put down for the final key of the game, I put make it easy on your defense. Like I love to see the Cardinals take the ball, go down, get a lead score. They've always been better, it seems like, as front runners. Being able to have that ability to say, hey, defense, we got you today. We'll go down, we'll score. That's at least the last key that I have to the game. Uh, who is your X factor for this game, Damian? Who's that guy who's going to have to make the play for the Cardinals? Man, um, the X factor, I would say, I can go a couple of different ways with this one, but I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with James Conner. You know, the defensive line for the Raiders isn't great either, especially in the, the interior, right? We talk about uh, keeping Kyler healthy and blocking for him. There's one of the best ways for that. Simple, run the football and, and, and attack them where they're weakest. And their second level defenders, their linebackers aren't great either, Blake. Uh, so I don't have much much confidence in them. So let's, like you said, let's run the ball, run the rock, let's pound it up the middle, uh, and kind of keep the offense on a rhythm, get them into a groove early, um, and, and really make this defense. Because when you run the ball and you start letting letting your tight ends double team Max Crosby and wear him down, it's essentially tiring his legs out. Right, taking that taking that burst, that explosiveness away from him. We know. We've, we've all watched Channel Jones the past what, six, seven years. He's not the greatest handling the run at the point of at the point of attack. Right. Attack him. Run the ball right at him. Put a Trey McBride in. You know what I mean? Heck, I would I would even go to, to some of the extents where you've seen you know, some of the Belichick offenses. They'll bring in a swing tackle and say, you know what, we're about to straight power football you. Put the swing tackle in as, as an extra tight end mm-hmm. and run it right in that direction. Make 
these make that front set just tire them out. So then when you do, because the one thing about it, the zone read doesn't really work if that backside if that backside end or, the, or those, those second level defenders don't have to worry about the threat of the actual running back. Right. If it's just we're yeah. not running the ball and then you try to hit zone read, they're like, well, I mean, out the backside end is like, well, I'll sit and wait on Kyler and make him hand it off. But I know that my linebackers are going to be right there because you guys haven't run the ball effectively all game. So get the run game going. It's when you start doing that, when you do finally go to the zone read, that backside isn't even, isn't even thinking about Kyler because he's just reacting to the to the ball being in, in James Conner's stomach, and he crashes down on it. So I think James Conner could be a big X factor if they use him early, like establish the run early. Yeah, I put that Hollywood Brown as mine. I feel like that when we saw from last week, it was good, but he traded for this guy, gave up a first round pick. He only took one deep shot. He had a player caught up to him. I feel like with the Raiders, you look at they've had a corner that was injured and they've had also you know traded the Cardinals another corner. I think you need to be able to make sure that you can have that deep passing attack, be susceptible, do what you have to be. Show, I think, why the Cardinals traded for you to be able to make sure that that deep threat is there because Arizona, they did not really attack the Chiefs deep at all in that last game. And maybe some of that you can say was protection issues. Figure out a way to be able to, if you have to get Kyler to roll out for the most part, have Hollywood be dragging across on a drag route across the field or maybe getting a, a corner route for something. That's something I think that you need to have because if you're not able to threaten at least the Raiders um, with the run to set up the pass, then I think the other thing you can do is make sure that you're having to keep those safeties back and that will open up those rushing lanes for James Conner. It's just about having complete offense in general, I think is something good for the Cardinals. Uh, Last part of our show today, score predictions. So this is tricky because there's a part of me that takes a look at the Cardinals going on the road. They were successful on the road last year. You also look at how their defense played for the most part for this year. You look at it was probably a really hard fought uh, game by the Raiders last week with all those weapons, the Hunter Renfro's. We've seen how Cole Beasley is given the Cardinals issues. See Devonte Adams in coverage. Is this Cardinals team able to win against the Raiders? Who do you have in this game? Um, if, if, if the top, guys in the depth chart, you know, that are that should be available, they're not suspended, um, and not on IR are healthy. I'm picking the cards. Um, I think like I said, JJ Watt, I feel like he can really wreak havoc on the interior of that defensive line, um, and attack that the, the gaps, the interior gaps for the offensive line, um, and really get into Derek Carr's face. And and I think you talked about how Mahomes is, is has a pocket mobility and he's a playmaker and you know similar to Kyler, he's improviser that's not their car like not saying that he can't move but he doesn't have that in his bag in terms of from a mental standpoint either of this hey i'm gonna move i'm gonna get on the, on the move get on the move and run out of the pocket and extend plays and that's not his game so if you can get into his face and hit him early start making him feel it and start making him anticipate pressure uh, up the middle up the middle then you start forcing him he gets uncomfortable he starts sliding and he slides towards the edge rushers if you're Demacagey or whoever's rushing off the edge, he can slide into those sacks and different things of that nature. So, um, so I think that would be big. I think that that'll be big. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my pre- score prediction. I am going to say 24-21. I don't think it's gonna be a really high scoring affair, um, but I think they can uh, edge him out by a field goal. Yeah, I, I I just look at the stats and say that. 
you look at last week, it was probably about charted maybe six quarterback hits on Patrick Mahomes in total, but the Cardinals defense had zero sacks. And that tells Mm -hmm. me that they're having to blitz to get pressure and the quarterback's getting rid of the ball. I think it may come down to if you can have a J.J. Watt be in and play where you're able to get pressure without having to necessarily have, you know, the blitz, because I don't feel like the Cardinals can cover Devontae Adams. Like you like you said, I don't feel like Vance is going to double him. It just doesn't seem like it's in his nature. Uh, like you even said, it doesn't seem like it's in Vance's nature to rush three, drop eight guys. <laughs> they may not even have had eight guys. I think if J.J. Watt plays, that'll be a big difference. If he doesn't, or we maybe see a reduced J.J. Watt, I've got Raiders 27, cards 21. If J.J.'s in there and you can see that, and we see that Derek Carr has been prone to mistakes, I think then it could be cards 28, Raiders 21. You may get an entire touchdown. Maybe that's a scoop or score. Maybe there's an interception you're able to see. Someone like Jalen Thompson could pick it off. I think that may end up being the difference in the game. Uh, I don't think the Cardinals are out of it, even if they did fall to 0-2. Again, a lot of it seems to depend ultimately on not just health, but how they adjust, how they get by before they have you know maybe the best player on their team in DeAndre Hopkins back. Uh, that's what I have, at least for the record. For right now, I do have the Cardinals falling right now to 0-2, but I'm willing to be able to budge on that should they get a healthy J.J. Watt back in. Uh, that'll wrap it up for us today. Uh, Damien, why don't you go ahead and plug kind of yourself where the especially college football fans can listen to you. It's been obviously, like you said, a crazy first two weeks, not just in the NFL, but in college football in general. Uh, a lot of players, at least for the most part, are seeming to – step up and perform. There's been obviously some huge upsets that we've seen for the most part. Uh, where can people follow you if they want to find more information looking at some of these top prospects? Because the let's hope we're not talking draft after next week. <laughs> the Cardinals give up <laughs> 30 <laughs> points or something like that to uh, to the Raiders next week. No, no, of course. On Twitter, you can find me DP underscore NFL. Um, and then, of course, uh, our college football podcast, with my co-host with from the from the draft network uh, LSU is a coach in the 2019 LSU uh, national championship uh, coaching staff Keith Sanchez is called the talent factor you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, so yeah I mean and of course you can click the link in my in my bio on Twitter to find us and then um, yeah just like subscribe all that good stuff as we talk well, we have two episodes a week. Um, one every Thursday and one every Monday morning. The Thursday episode is previewing uh, the, the up-and-coming games of college football. Monday morning, which we record on Sundays, is for the review um, and reactions to uh, that Saturday's action. So definitely go check us out. Awesome. Thanks so much. Make sure you're also following our Twitter account at ROTB pod. Uh, make sure you're following listening on Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, making sure that you're listening to Google play podcasts. I can even listen to us on audible. You can find for a lot of areas with the Amazon playlist as well. You can always find us at revenge of the for Damien. I'm Blake. This has been the ROTB pod. Hopefully next week we're talking about the Cardinals getting back to 500, uh, being able to overcome at least uh, what's been a stinging week one loss Get back into the win column. Uh, thank you again for tuning in and go cards. <laughs>